0: You are listening to Rabbi Arya Woolby of Torch in Houston, Texas. This is the Parsha Review Podcast. All right, welcome back, everybody. Those of you who are new to our Parsha Review Podcast, just know that at the beginning of every week, right after Shabbos, I release a rebroadcast of last year's Parsha Review. So if you want to get the full picture of everything that goes on in this in each week's Torah portion... Just subscribe to the Parsha Review Podcast, and you will get, hopefully, a clear, concise, refreshing understanding of the Parsha without any frills, without any fillers, just straight review of the Parsha. So I want to share a little insight about this week's Torah portion. You see, in this week's Parsha, we have so many different things that transpire, it is incredible that it starts off with Abraham recovering from his circumcision, and the third day of circumcision is the most painful day. And Abraham is sitting at the at the uh, doorpost at the door of his tent. It says that God was visiting him. It's one of the one of the sources that it's the proper thing. It is a mitzvah to visit the sick. And Abraham is looking around. He's busy. What are you so busy with? God is there visiting you. What are you so busy with? It says that God knew Abraham's desire to do acts of kindness, that God took the sun out of its pouch. And if you want to have a little bit of an understanding of what's going to be in the time of Mashiach, it says that when God created the world, the sun was placed into a pouch. One of the times that this, that this sun that we see is revealed and taken out of that pouch in its full brightness, the first was by Abraham, and the second is going to be in the times of Mashiach. If you want to get an understanding of like, when we look up, we look, oh, it seems like it's very bright, and the sun is very hot. We live in here in Houston. It's quite quite hot. So what's it going to be like? So if you remember, just a few weeks ago, we had a lunar eclipse and it was Shabbos morning and everyone walked out of shul and we looked up with those special glasses and we we're able to see how the moon is blocking the sun and it was just, it was beautiful. But if you looked outside, there was a little bit of a, a, a darkness. It was still, the sun was bright, but it was a little bit of a shady brightness And I was like, oh, you see, you can get used to it, and you think, like, that's normal. That's just the way the sunlight is. But we know that it gets brighter. But that, I think, the reason why Hashem makes those experiences happen is so that we notice and recognize that the sun that we have now that we're able to see is also limited and placed in a pouch. And anything that you put in a pouch isn't as bright as it can be. The sun... Is much brighter than we see it. And that sun was taken out for one reason so that Abraham not go out and get more guests into his home. Abraham was the most remarkable outreach rabbi, where every person who'd pass by, he would try to convert them to monotheism, take them away from idolatry, and have them believe in God. There was no organized religion, so to speak. And here Abraham is going out, and any person who passed by, he'd bring them into his home, come in, come, let's eat, let's eat, let's have a good time, let's sing some songs. And then everyone would get up and say, and say, thank you, Abraham, we're heading out. He says, what do you mean, thank you? You have to pay for this. And they're like, oh, we thought this was a soup kitchen, we didn't know we have to pay. He says, no, 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 not, not money, not to me. You have to pay to the Almighty give thanks to the one above, the creator of heaven and earth. And they're like, who's that? And he'd start explaining to them. And he'd start a whole class. And then they'd say, okay, Hashem. And they would start communicating with Hashem. And he got one convert after another convert after another convert. And these are later to be the Jewish people. When we receive the Torah at Mount Sinai, obviously. So Abraham has a very special relationship with Hashem. And Abraham is tested 10 times, as we remember. We learned about this, the 10 tests that Abraham had to pass in order to show his commitment and dedication to this relationship with Hashem. And three angels come. They're dressed up like Arabs, Muslim passers-by And each one is coming for a different mission. One is coming to heal him or say, just tell us that when you come visit the sick, it heals them by a 60th. That doesn't mean if you have 60 people, they're healed, right? It's a 60th. So what's left is 59 and then, you know, 58 point, whatever, I'll let him do the math. So... Uh so each one is a 60th that it removes of the illness so but the angel comes to heal Abraham the second is to inform Sarah that she is going to have a child at this time next year and we was it was ironic because Sarah's at that time 90 years old Abraham is 99 years old and last I checked, a 90 year old woman and a 90 year old man, 99 year old man, don't have little babies. But this is an amazing thing. If you want to see, she hears what's going on. And it says, the verse says, And Abraham and Sarah were old, coming with their days. There ceased to be with Sarah the cycle like other women. She's already at an, at an at an advanced age. And Sarah laughed. She laughed within herself saying, after I have withered, shall there again be for me delicate skin and my husband is old? Like... I'm an old woman. This is not going to happen. And then what's her what's her son's name? Yitzchak. Why? To remember. To remember that laughter. Remember that laughter. Hashem can do anything. And this is what Hashem says. Hayipoleh Hashem dovar? Is there beyond the capability of Hashem anything? shuv <speaking in Hebrew> At this appointed time, I will return to you next year, alive and well, and to Sarah, there will be a son. Unbelievable promise. And that's the angel comes to say that. Then there's one more angel, and that angel is going to destroy Sodom. So there's an obvious question here. You have two angels that are coming to deal with Abraham and Sarah. One is coming to heal Abraham, and the other is coming to inform Sarah. But the angel that's going to Sodom, what is he doing here? Go to Sodom. Go destroy Sodom. What are you doing here? Why do we even need to know about this? Just go destroy them. It's not even on the route, by the way. So, like, just go directly to Sodom and go do your job. What are you coming to Abraham with these other angels Tagging along like you belong here. You have nothing to inform Abraham about. Obviously, we know there's nothing nothing that's extra in the Torah. And there's nothing that's just there. There's a reason why this angel needed to be by Abraham on his way to Sodom and Gomorrah. Because Abraham was such a righteous person that he needed to be informed. Hashem doesn't hide things from those who he loves. And Hashem wanted to give Sodom the opportunity to have a righteous person pray on their behalf. So Hashem brings about that an angel stops by Abraham's tent, informs him, oh, by the way, I'm heading to Sodom to destroy this wicked, evil city. I just thought I'd let you know. I mean, right? There's a reason for it. What's the reason? The reason is so that Abraham can pray for them. And Abraham does. And he talks to Hashem, and he says, Hashem, why are you destroying the city? Maybe there are some righteous people there. Maybe there are some righteous people there. Maybe there are 50 righteous. Hashem says, you know what? If there are 50 righteous, I won't destroy them. And there wasn't. Maybe there's 40 You see this negotiation of Abraham with God. Maybe there's 30, maybe there's 20, maybe there's 10. And even 10 there wasn't. There was only Lot. And Lot wasn't exactly the the best kid on the block. So, but Hashem decides to save Lot. Why does Hashem save Lot? Because even though he lived in Sodom, he stayed righteous relative to the people of Sodom. But there's another thing. Hashem returns favor. You see, Lot traveled with Abraham and Sarah when they went to Egypt. And King Avimelech abducted Sarah, but he also overheard, Lot overheard Abraham say, Sarah is my wife, is my is my sister, so that they don't kill Abraham. And Lot kept his mouth shut. He didn't reveal, uh, just by the way, Abraham's lying. It's not really his sister, it's really his wife. So because he saved Abraham and Sarah, Hashem saved him. And this is an act for an act where Hashem says, you saved mine, I'll save yours. And he's rewarded. And he saved. Hashem says, I'm going to destroy Sodom, but Lot can get out with his children. Now, let me ask you a question. Why is Hashem destroying Sodom? What is so terrible about Sodom? That not only are the wicked people, the entire earth of Sodom gets turned over and turns into an ashtray, into one dead sea product, right? For the Israelis to sell soaps and creams for forever. So whenever you walk into a mall, you'll remember Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Israelis are going to put the cream on your hand and they're going to tell you that you look so beautiful and now buy this cream. So the question is, the obvious question, what did they do so terribly wrong in Sodom that they deserve to be destroyed to such a degree? Oh, save the women, save the children. No, everybody's got to go. And we see the same thing happened with Noah and the flood. The reason behind this is that there's a certain level of, of wickedness, that everything must go. You don't negotiate with wickedness. You don't say, "Well, let's uh, let's figure out a solution here." Something which is no, 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 no. You don't resolve anything with wickedness. When you have such a high level of evil, you need to eradicate it completely. From its roots, not even the trees, not even the grass, not even the little insects, everything must go. To the point, if you if you look at, at what our sages tell us about what was going on in Sodom, I'll read to you a little bit of a a piece here. The seed of Sodom's wickedness lay in its failure to abide by the principles that Abraham would inculcate in his offspring. The cruelties of Sodom. Have become part of the language as the epitome of selfishness, callousness, and depravity. But the root of their evil was greed. To discourage undesirable newcomers, the sodomites institutionalized state cruelty, so that it became a crime to feed a starving person or offer alms to a beggar. Even the sexual perversion for which Sodom is notorious, was employed to keep visitors away. According to one opinion of the sages, this cruelty stemmed from the attitude of what is mine is mine and what is yours is yours. If you tried to do an act of kindness, they held you as being cruel. Because if God made someone poor... Then that's their destiny. Why are you giving them something when God wants them to be poor? They should stay poor. I mean, if someone, they'd have a bed, and if the bed, if they were too tall for the bed, they'd chop their legs off. If they were too short, they'd pull them. Because was, it was a certain level of cruelty that was so awful and so disliked by the Almighty. The Almighty says everything must go, there's no negotiation. There is something called evil, wicked, cruel, and anyone listening and anyone understanding knows that what's going on today in Gaza is no different than Sodom and Gomorrah, where you have cruelty, and the most ironic thing is that you have people who are so dumb in the media who actually fall for this. And report the lies. But what we need to understand is that when you have such wickedness, and we might feel somewhere in our heart, you know, but the children are innocent. They didn't do anything. The women are innocent. We can let them go. I hate to say this, but I heard a recording of a young Hamas member, calling his parents, his father, his mother, his siblings, and telling them, I killed 10 Israelis with my own hands. Go look at your WhatsApp. You'll see the pictures of their dead bodies. And the parents are celebrating. And the siblings are cheering. You hear it. You you hear the recording. It's not only the members of Hamas who are wicked, evil, and cruel and need to be obliterated. In what way does this differ from the generation of Noah, from the generation of Sodom? In what way? Where they allow the tunnels to be built under hospitals, under schools, shooting rockets, From the playgrounds, to me, this is the, the level of cruelty, the level of wickedness is on such a high level. I don't understand what the world doesn't see. Aside, for this is an opportunity for their hatred of the Jews to come to the surface. And this is what we need to understand here. You know, we're living in Houston relatively very quiet for the Jewish community. So we think, oh, we're safe. We're not safe. And we can have as many guns and we can have as much security as we want. We have to remember that there's only one force and one power that protects us. And that's Hashem, creator of heaven and earth. And we can't rely on our police force and we can't rely on our guns. Although I encourage everyone to own and to carry and to be trained and to use every precaution. But let's not fool ourselves and think that the world is a safe place. That doesn't mean we have to live like we're in Auschwitz. It doesn't mean that we have to live like we are in you know persecution but we definitely have to be vigilant and we have to recognize that the nations of the world don't love us how many times do we need to think that they love us in spain we thought they loved us and they kicked us out if you look at every single country on planet earth aside for the united states we've been persecuted And executed. And expelled. You go from Russia. All the way to the United Kingdom. Canada is included in that. Look around the world. Where have we been? Except for the United States. Where the Jewish people have had. An unbelievable kindness from the government. Towards our. Religious rights. Towards our religious freedom. Just a a funny little video that someone sent me it was someone who was acting as if they were in the white house and they had the white house uh, uh sign behind them and they said please we're asking all jews please stop the rallies stop we need doctors we need lawyers all the doctors offices and law firms are all empty we don't <laughs> we don't we need our jews back go back to your offices um but it is a wake-up call for each and every one of us, for our generation to remember that we have many distractions. We have our phones. We can be busy with our phones, watching videos all day. We can be busy with movies and television and internet and everything else and forget the reality of that we're in a world where Hashem wants us to connect with the Almighty. And look how powerful a righteous person is. Where Abraham prays that if there were only 10 righteous, the entire city would be saved. Entire city. Imagine that each and every one of us have the ability to protect so many by our good deeds. And if you think that you need to have a long beard from here to Conroe in order to be righteous, you're wrong. That's not what being righteous is. Being righteous is taking a mitzvah and performing it with love and dedication and commitment to the Almighty. It's connecting with Hashem on every level. And if you're driving in your car, you can pray. You can listen to a Torah Torah recording, a podcast. A woman came over to me this week at an event. She says to me, Rabbi, you have no idea how close we are. I'm honored. What, what, to, 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 what do I, to what do I owe this closeness? She says, I listen to you every single day. She said, people tell me I should move my office closer. She says, no, I love it. I get to listen to a Torah class each way, back and forth. I listen to every single thing. So if you're listening right now, hello. It's an unbelievable thing that people are utilizing their time. I'm heading to work. I'm going on a jog. I'm going on a walk. And by the way, I love hearing from listeners. Please send me an email. I'd love to hear about what you like, what you don't like, what you agree, what you disagree. But this is an unbelievable opportunity that we have in our generation that you don't need to be a scholar. You don't need to be dedicated in yeshiva to learn Torah. We have it at our fingertips, literally that we can listen to Torah classes for the next million years. The unbelievable resources that are available online. You have a question about something Jewish? Ask, ask Google. Rabbi Google. He'll tell you everything you need to know. There's so many incredible resources. But we need to be the power of good. There's enough evil in the world. Each and every one of us in this room And those listening online, it's up to each and every one of us to be the power of good in this world and to bring God's presence into this world. And it's not a time to hide our Judaism. On the contrary, it's the time to show the world we're proud to be Jewish. You go to the store, make your kippah noticeable. Don't hide it. Don't wear a baseball cap on top of it. Show the world we're proud to be Jewish. We're not going to hide our identity. There's nothing to hide. In fact, the, in the UN, the Israeli representatives today are wearing yellow stars. Let's be identified as Jews. Let's be proud of being the people who are going to protect the world and eradicate evil. The only way evil has a way in this world of existence is if we're not doing our job. If we aren't showing our face bright to the world and being an example to the world, then the nations of the world have power. If we show our greatness, if we show our goodness, our good deeds, nations of the world have nothing on us. Now, I want to contrast Sodom, which we said was selfishness, self-indulged. It's all about me. I don't want to include anybody else. With Abraham and Isaac. At the end of this week's Torah portion, we have the binding of Isaac. The Akedah. Where Hashem, in his final and most difficult test of Abraham... Shem says, take your son as Bincha, your son, as your only son, asherah Ahavta, that you love so much, and bring him to me as an offering. I mean, which one of us would say, oh, sure, God, where do I bring my son to as an offering to you? Let me put him on the altar and slaughter him. And it's a contradiction to everything that Hashem has told him till now. Hashem said, this son is going to inherit the land. Oh, by the way, for those of you asking, which land? The land of Israel. To Isaac. And to Jacob. And to the tribes. And to the Jewish people. Just as a side note. For the record. Abraham takes Isaac. And he's ready to slaughter him. Why? Why? Because it's not about me. Abraham was a person who demonstrated his absolute unwavering commitment to the Almighty. Hashem wants me to slaughter my son, I'm going to do it. Because it's not about me. Obviously, Hashem doesn't want him to slaughter his son. Obviously, Hashem doesn't want Yitzchak dead. But Hashem wants to see the commitment, the dedication. The non-Sodom type behavior, selflessness, dedication, and commitment—it's—it's it's unbelievable when you look at the acts of kindness that the Jewish people show. By the way, do you know that there are hundreds of Israelis who till this tragic massacre happened on october 7th they would volunteer to drive sick palestinians from gaza to israeli hospitals to and from to help them out understand they're being treated in our hospitals they're being transported by our people all volunteering all free because we don't know what it means to say no when it comes to kindness. And we're the ones the world is calling cruel. Cruelty and mercy, you need to be very careful about these. The Talmud says those who are merciful to the cruel will end up being cruel to the merciful. We need to be careful. Cruelty needs to be eradicated, com- obliterated completely. From its roots, including its vegetation, every single brick needs to be destroyed. Everything. But the only way to do that is if we elevate ourselves. We become more committed. We become more dedicated. And we talk to Hashem more. And we dive in and we ask Hashem. Our soldiers right now are in Gaza. They need our prayers. We need to take time. We should probably do this right when we go offline. And each one of us say one chapter of Psalms. Each one of these is a bullet that we're protecting from hitting our soldiers. Every second that we're learning is protecting rockets from hitting us and protecting mortar shells from hitting our tanks. We are the arms of protection for our soldiers. As one of the commanders, an American, English-speaking, IDF commander, he said, we all know that the real protection of the Jewish people is the Torah study. We need more Torah. We're going out. We're going to battle. But the real power of protection is the Torah that we learn. Hashem should help us all that we should not only be safe and returning to our land, hopefully, really soon with Mashiach. But we should do everything we can to connect with the Almighty and bring as many merits to this world to protect our soldiers, to protect our people, to protect our land, and to hopefully restore civility to this world. It's up to us. We need to be the ones to be an example to the world. The nations of the world have no power to touch us unless we are forfeiting our responsibilities. Hashem should help us all, Hashem should protect us all, and God willing, we'll all take this responsibility seriously and make an adjustment and connect one drop more. My dear friends, have an amazing Shabbos.